And today, Stephen's going to take a look at money tips for holiday travel. Of course, it's holiday season coming up and uh, we'll explore that theme a little bit further. Henry Jennings will be popping in to give us our market update and currencies and commodities. We'll find out how the market is travelling. To a new RFM's Thursday Finance and Stephen Pritchard with us today. And how's the world of finance travelling at the moment? Stephen? Oh, it's a bit all over the place, like usual. Nothing, 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 nothing big. Nothing happening new, really. nothing big. There's always something new, but as there's long nothing, as it's all it's going all along, along quite happily. It's all along. So the gold price was down, um, you know, twenty nine dollars and thirty six cents on the week. So that's an indication that things are improving to two thousand one hundred and sixty seven dollars Australian an ounce, and the crude oil price was up um, two dollars fifty eight a barrel to eighty nine dollars and eleven cents. So that's a couple of commodities there. Uh, the currencies, we were up against the US dollar at a 68.53 uh, US cents. And against the Great British Pound, we were up to 53.87 pence. Um, and against the euro, we were up to 61.56 euro cents. So a bit less expensive for people travelling overseas or importing or buying something from Just overseas. Just as we will be talking about Just travel a little bit later about, on. Yes, costs, yes, you're an expert yeah. at travel, aren't you, Jane? Oh, you do that travel segment on a Friday, don't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I always like keeping up to date with to, that too. I'll have to start listening a bit more often to that. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, the the equity markets, um, the All Ordinaries Index was down 13.3 points on the week to 6,778. The S&P 500 was up 6.6 points to 3,004. And the UK FTSE Index was up uh, 78 points to... 7,260. So, you know, the Brexit isn't making a difference. It isn't making the UK currency steady and the market steady. Okay. Despite the doom merchants. And uh, BHP in Australia was uh, up 54 cents on the week to $35.40. CBA was down 17 cents to $79.94. NIB is making a bit of recovery up 21 cents to $7.06. And Telstra was down two cents to three dollars fifty-seven. Now, what about the fuel? Well, the fuel with six weeks to Christmas, um, Newcastle unleaded was up a dollar one one point three cents to dollar forty-five a litre. In Sydney, it was down six point seven cents to dollar thirty-nine a litre, and the diesel price was basically one dollar fifty point eight, which is similar to last week, and a dollar forty-seven point three in Sydney, which is also similar to last week. To a new RFM's Thursday Finance, Stephen Pritchard. Time we have a look at our market update with Henry Jennings from Marcus today. Hi, Henry. Hi, Stephen. How are you? I'm good. You're in downtown Melbourne. Is it cold or hot there? Um, it's nice, actually. It's a bit windy looking out the window of the office, but it's um, it's nice. It's sunny. The sun is out. The sky is blue, and it's, and it's relatively warm, so it's good. Same as here. So yeah. you're down visiting Kogan, are you? Uh, no, I was actually at the Microcap conference oh, okay. Okay. In, in Melbourne, which was really fantastic, really well-run event. We were media partners, so I um, thought I should put in an appearance and see if I can kiss a few frogs, see if I can find a prince amongst thieves. Mm. So, yes, it was all yes. good. So Kogan seems to be turning into a prince. Their gross sales are up 16% for the quarter and... Yeah. 28% increase in profit because they're selling higher margin house brands. Well, I think that the attraction of Kogan is always the fact that it is a platform. 
it, and it is a trusted platform. They originally, you know, started out plugging plasmas to people, mm-hmm. but have moved into mobile, credit cards, mm-hmm. even super now. Um, so they're using that platform to, to distribute other products, a bit like Amazon. I've, I've kind of always thought of them as the, as the um, Amazon of Australia. Um, or an Australian Amazon because of you know that ability to add products and uh, businesses to their already trusted platform. So yeah, that thing seems to be going relatively well with Kogan. It's probably about time that Ruslan sold some more shares and disrupted things again as he did um, earlier this year. Yes, and then the other online news is uh, Temple and Webster's sales have risen forty five percent for the year. Yeah, this is, this is a funny one. It, yeah. it, it, um, it sells furniture online, and it's got, uh, I was reading today, 150,000 products for sale. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are expanding uh, the number of products they have for sale. Now, there was always some skepticism in the market, and I guess that's from older people, um, that suggests that um, you know when you buy a sofa or when you buy soft furnishings, you want to go and try them out, you want to go and sit on them and all that sort of stuff. But it does, and that was part of the problem for Temple and Webster. But I guess as millennials grow up and get their own houses, they're so used to, well, some of them get their own houses, the ones that have got good jobs and have got nice parents, I guess. Um, the um, the online environment is still, it's very attractive for them, and they, they, they're used to buying things online, and it seems that they're sort of um, migrating towards Temple and Webster to buy their furniture and stuff, so um, I, I guess it's a sort of a demographic thing as well, but the uh, company seems pretty positive on the um, on the result up, as you say, 45% on the year. Um, I've got to say, that's a big percentage number, but um, uh, they only made 3.8 million in profits. Um, oh, revenue cool. is up to 101 million. Which, so margins um, are pretty skinny. The margins are relatively skinny, but I guess, you know, once you've built the machine, mm-hmm. the machine just does what it does. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, certainly the market likes it. And uh, a bit of surprising news is Washington Seoul Patterson's are now going to go into the aged care sector. Mm. Well, I think there's some stats that say the baby boomers, with so over 65 years old, will double by the year 2057. So there is a massive market there as all these baby boomers uh, get to um, 65. And uh, Soul Pats, uh, they've, um, they're looking at a site in Cronulla, mm-hmm. beachfront site, um, with Shane Moran, who mm-hmm. used to um, used to run. He's pretty uh, savvy in the business. He ran Moran Healthcare Group. Um, so um, he's now launched a premium retirement business called Provectus Care. So I'm sure some of your um, your listeners and even some of your uh, clients at Pritchard Partners would be uh, interested in this one. So, yeah, no, it's an interesting move from Solpats, but clearly, you know, they're looking at that generational change and they're going to spend a lot of money on this, um, you know, 30, 40 million bucks. So um, it's going to be um, it's going to be very high end. They're talking about interior design by Coco yeah. Republic. And, you know, it's going to be yeah. saunas, gyms, pools, mm. cellar, cinema, 24-hour emergency assistance. So... Maybe um, maybe Rob Milner is uh, just looking after his own retirement with his investment. Yeah, the interesting thing is I saw is that they weren't going to go into the high care area. It was just this retirement village. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, you know, high high care is 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 hard work, and yes. it's um, you know the margins are yeah. it's very it's very um, dependent on the cost of your poor old labourer which yeah. is, um, you know, doing as, as well as they can. But, um, yeah, no, mm-hmm. I think 
This is high end rather than high care, as you yep, say. Yep, yep. Anyhow, forty man's nothing to sell, so nah, no, no, no. bagatelle. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Nah, I made three hundred and seven million bucks in profits last year. <sighs> and uh, and uh, cochlear, cochlear's downgrades their earnings target, and the shares promptly fell. Oh, it's a familiar story, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yes, they did. Um, it was a little bit underwhelming uh, from Cochlear, um, and of course, it is a market darling. So, um, you know, they've just—they've really been trending sideways for a little while, but the update wasn't particularly good. Um, and we are in that season at the moment to be jolly, where um, we've got a lot of AGMs uh, happening and a lot of conferences as well. I was at the microcap one yesterday. Um, there was uh, a Goldman Sachs high tech one. Um, so there's a, there's a whole bunch of um, a whole bunch of these conferences around. But yeah, Cochlear a little bit um, disappointing. Looks have stabilised now, but uh, just on the nose a little bit or on the ear. Thursday finance, and we're in the middle, Stephen Pritchard, of our market update with Henry Jennings. And. Um and Rio's, uh, which which wasn't really a surprise after what Instatech said the other week, Rio's looking at closing their uh, loss-making aluminium smelters in Australia and, and maybe New Zealand due to the high energy costs. And uh, yeah. yeah, well, we, we all know about the high energy it's costs here, I guess, and, and there's a, an issue because um, these smelters consume an awful lot of power. Um, in New Zealand, um, their smelter there accounts for 12% of the NZ electricity market. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that is a, a fair amount of power which it is uh, consuming. It, it, uh, it's, um, the supplier is Meridian, which is uh, a New Zealand power company, Meridian Energy, and 40% of its um, of power goes to this, this South Island smelter. So it's not, not a small operation, but uh, certainly you know, we've seen the problems here with high power prices, and we're certainly... Uh, that is an issue as well in New Zealand, and of course, it's a bit of a game of bluff whether the um, the power companies come to the party and you start to get some uh, lowering of power prices, or whether the companies have to pull the pin and move offshore to somewhere where the the power is cheaper. So, yes. So, so then on power, Alinta, the Alinta CEO is called for uh, Snowy Hydro's, and I didn't quite understand this. So they want Snowy Hydro to sell its energy retailing business, which round here is called Red Energy, in, yep. in, in order to increase competition. Yep. But but Alinta's already a retailer, and I got the impression they wanted to buy Red Energy. So I would have thought that it would actually decrease competition. Yeah. One of the great dilemmas of business, isn't it? Well, so Alinta is actually owned by Hong Kong Group now. Yes. Um, so um, yeah, it was. It's an interesting call. Um, breaking up Snowy Hydro, selling that retailing business, and as you say, they're in the business. They want to acquire businesses to try and get those um, economies of scale and integrate uh, energy supplies. So um, yeah, I think. Um, I don't know. I don't know about Snowy Hydro too. The the cost seems to be blowing out, and um, I mean it's, it's great for politicians to go there with their hard hats and their high vis and look really important. Mm-hmm. But um, we'll see how it all pans out. But certainly, you know, the the local energy market is still um, pretty much up in the air. We still have very high power prices, um, and um, yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty I think in the sector still. And um, Treasury Wine Estates. Um Mm. That was interesting. The price fell when the 
the CEO announced his retirement. So, so I've seen other CEOs announce their retirement. The prices haven't moved or actually gone up. So the, 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 he, he must have some value in the eyes of the shareholders. Well, he, this is a guy called Michael Clark, not the cricketer. He's the CEO of Treasury. And when uh, when Mr. Clark took over Treasury Wine Estates, um, oh, it was a fair while ago now, but when he took it over, the, the stock was a bit of a basket case. They had lots of problems. They were basically flushing wine down the toilet um, because they were overstocked with the wrong stuff and they had warehouse issues and supply issues. Um, since then, he's moved the company up market and really played on the Penfolds uh, branding and, of course, that uh, explosion in the China wine market as well for demand there, which has really helped, and he's expanded in the U.S. So um, I guess this was, you know, this this company's his baby. Effectively, the market has been uh, pretty um, pleased with Mr. Clark's performance. So when you announce your retirement, and as always, you know, people get a bit spooked. It has recovered a bit, and he's uh, I don't think he's going for a little while yet, and I think he's still contracted to uh, be a consultant for the company, mm-hmm. but he wants to uh, spend more time with his family. Uh, as that uh, as that wonderful um, saying goes, um, but uh, but yeah, th- and there's been some uh, some sort of uh, attacks recently on the, on the Treasury Wine Estates model. Um, so um, so yeah, interesting. But certainly, he has done a pretty good job in turning that business around to what it is today. Yeah, and then just on the tech stocks, as Wise Tech, there was a, a report put out that said it was all, all you know. Yeah, yeah, and then the rest of the the top the tech stock values fell as well. So, do you think that yes. where, where we are with these with these Australian tech stocks? Well, they're they're, they're very expensive, aren't they? I mean, that's yep. the thing; they are very expensive because we have a dearth of these. Um, the the PEs blow out to huge levels, and Wise Tech has I think they've done thirty three acquisitions mm-hmm. over the last few years. Um, and you know, acquisitions are always kind of hard, I guess, to um, to bed down. And the company has said recently that one of the reasons why uh, they stopped doing acquisitions is so they can bed them down. Now, this company in uh, in Beijing, based J Capital, produced a report saying the accounts were you know, falsifying things and it wasn't as good as it you know they thought. And they talked to a lot of um, employees and owners of the businesses they bought, and they were pretty down on it. WiseTech came out and answered it. Um, and then uh, J Capital launched another broadside, and WiseTech came out and answered it, and, and it seemed to quell market fears, and the stock bounced sort of 12% after the, the second defense from, from WiseTech and Richard White, who's worth about $4 billion, uh, fronted investors and told, you know, there's nothing to see here, it's all, you know, it's all rubbish, um, it should be looked at by the authorities. Stock's down 6% today. Um, so the wild ride continues. I guess uh, it's, we'll wait and see whether J Capital come in with a third, third strike, um, third attack on the company. There's not, but the, these sort of short sellers, these aggressive uh, research funds calling companies into question. I guess you know there's a lot of difference of opinion about whether they're good things or bad things. I wrote an article the other day about how maybe they're uh, sort of the fourth estate mm-hmm. and they keep people mm-hmm. honest. Um, in in the market, and maybe we need people like this rather than um, running everything past the company and just sucking up. And um, but there are other people that think they're a scourge and uh, whatever. But there, there has been question marks over Wise Tech before in terms of their valuation, in terms of their acquisition strategy, and you know it obviously rang some sort of bell because the stock um, is down substantially since this all started. Um, they did hit. Just tell me about they hit nearly 38 bucks and we're at 27 mm-hmm. bucks now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, 
there is um, certainly the casting aspersions on them has throwing that mud has stuck a little bit. That's for sure. So I think there's more to come in this one, and there's probably more to more to come in other stocks because this is something that overseas companies get. Yep. thrown at, around a lot and we seem to be immune to some extent but we've had a, a number of things like Quintus and, and those yep. sorts of things and um, Blue Sky alternative investments which had the same issue and then went under um, and Big Review uh, was another one so um, some of these things you know I'm not saying that the same as WiseTech but um, you need you to know, look so at them and consider what you need saying. to look at you need to look at them and you know there were sixty odd pages of uh, of work this lady had done from Beijing so um, and she's you know she writes articles for Bloomberg so she's not she's not just someone who woke up one morning and said hey you know what I'm going to question this okay so, um, I think if I did that no one would listen anyway so yeah I mean, we always listen Henry and we listen again to you <laughs> next week thanks <laughs> thanks Stephen. thanks Fanny. thank you Henry Jennings uh, our market Talk update to NURFM Thursday finance. And well, holiday season is coming up, and one of the, it's a pretty big expense, often, isn't it? Holiday travel. Holiday travel can be quite expensive, and you know we're we're, we're another uh, five or uh, sorry six or seven weeks away from Christmas, depending which way you count it, mm-hmm. um, which day you're counting mm-hmm. on. And, mm-hmm. um, there's six Thursdays, but, uh, uh, seven Thursdays, but six Mondays or something. Anyhow, um, so it so, is worth thinking so, about And the, people often think about holidays at Christmas. And about the and, money, uh, the financial aspect The financial of it, people, yeah. yeah. So some people think about the financial things before they go, but some people think about it when they come back. Um, yeah. Anyhow, so there's a couple of things you need to think about that, 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 that are financial but not directly. So a couple of things, um, you know, if you're flying, um, mm-hmm. airlines are a lot uh, – have become a lot tougher on um, baggage requirements. I mean, um, yes. um, and I've noticed that uh, one of the domestic airlines who, who never used to check the uh, carry-on baggage has now started to check, which which I think is about time because you used to get on there and people have these huge suitcases and there's no space to put your jacket or whatever, which is what the overhead lockers are for. But anyhow, one of the domestic airlines has... So has they're, they're looking at space. Oh, yeah, they're, they're weighing them and putting them in those okay. uh, mm. things and if they don't put it in, if you can't put your in bag, it gets sent back and you have to pay... Uh, Excess baggage. So, so you need to think about um, you watch if you're if you're just looking carry on luggage, make sure it complies with the with the uh, requirements. Otherwise, you're going to be hit with excess baggage charges. And also, if it's um, also if it's um, you know loaded on down down in the hole, um, you need to be careful of the the weight restrictions on those because they're, they're, they vary from airline to airline. And once again, the excess baggage charges can be quite. Um, Quite significant. Quite significant. So. And they actually don't like the bags to be too heavy because they're thinking about the health of, of the workers. Yes, yeah, and yeah, I, I've been overseas in, in the US and the, you know, they've knocked, um, I've seen them knock bags, they bags back. So it seems to go through the normal size. Then they put this sticker on that says... Uh, uh, Oversized. Over, <laughs> too heavy to lift or something. And then after that, if you go past the sticker limit, your bag's rejected. So, yes. yeah, yeah, just be careful about um, your bag. Baggage, um, and one of the most important things that people kind of overlook is is travel insurance. Now, travel insurance is particularly important when you're travelling overseas. Yes. Um, yeah. First of all, when you go overseas, you're not covered by um, Medicare. 
Um, so you, 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 surprising how many people seem to think you are, but you know, you're not covered by Medicare. So overseas medical expenses, particularly in the US, can be extremely expensive. I mean, things that might cost you know ten thousand dollars here. I've actually seen this. You get a bill for a hundred thousand dollars from the hospital in the US. So mm-hmm. you need you need to make sure you've got um, a travel insurance policy, and you also need to actually read the policy. Now a lot of credit cards um, have uh, free in inverted commas travel insurance, mm-hmm. but but you need to have a look at that policy that comes with a card to make sure. Um, you meet the requirements, first of all, to get the travel insurance. Now, it depends that some of the cards require you to buy all the travel expenses on the card and others just require a certain amount. So you need to make sure of that. And you need to make sure that the coverage is actually there that you want. I mean, some of those policies are, you know, generally, from what I can work out, the more expensive the credit card you're paying for, the better the travel insurance policy that's attached. But you still need to have a look at that. And, and, and in the scheme of things... The travel insurance isn't usually that dear. You know, you're, spa- you're spending, you know, thousands of dollars for this holiday and it's a few hundred dollars for the travel insurance. Mm. Can, can you ring them up if you want to talk things over with them? Um, I assume so, yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. So, so we've actually got a corporate one. We've got a corporate mm. travel insurance mm. policy. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, and if you're travelling a fair bit... Um, Look at the annual one. There can be significant savings on the annual travel insurance policy um, rather than just per trip. And some companies also have family travel insurance policies, which generally, in a lot of cases, um, only charge you for the two adults and you get so many children on there for free. So you need to have a look at your travel insurance policy, but you know, don't really leave Australia without one, particularly the medical expenses is is the real thing you need to cover. And the other thing you need to think about, which is which is a lot of things that people don't know, is there's exclusions in most insurance policies that if you if you require a licence to do an activity in Australia, um, but the jurisdiction you're going to doesn't require a licence, i.e. you're off to Bali and you ride a motorcycle in Bali, but if the licence would be required in Australia, unless you hold that Australian motorbike licence, a lot of policies won't cover you for those activities so you need to you need to be aware of what's in the policies and what's 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 not covered because it can be very expensive coming back to australia uh in and uh, what's the term medivac yeah oh yes, yes, yes. now what about domestically traveling domestically and traveling um yeah well that's another issue uh, i mean personally um i know from personal experience that um, we had this corporate travel policy and I got sick away um, and it, it it can be an advantage um, most people don't take it out it was covered I mean I wouldn't have had it except it was covered under the corporate policy um, and, and you know I was sick that refunded the the holiday balance the holiday accommodation and it ref- paid for um, motor vehicle expenses or something like that yeah so 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 that's another advantage of having a look at the annual policies a lot of those annual policies will cover domestic travel if it's so many kilometers away from your home so okay. our, our corporate one i think travel covers you if you're more than 150 kilometers away so from that's home. what counts but, as but, traveling <laughs> yeah but your medical expenses aren't so critical in australia if you're in if you're in australia you're covered by your medicare and if you've got private health insurance you're covered by the private health insurance that's another issue too that the private health insurer won't cover you overseas 
Mm-hmm. The private health insurer only covers you for Australia unless uh, you go and take out a specific extra extra coverage, which I know uh, the local health fund, one of the local health funds offers um, coverage if you're overseas. Mm, but, so, but medical um, expenses can be a big cost. That would probably be the major one. Yes, that's the major, the major I mean, potential if you lose, one. If you lose a few bags, oh, well, you know. <laughs> Buy some except, more. <laughs> except if they're full of uh, gold and jewels. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yes. But, you know. It'd be, be a big potential cost as your medical. To a new RFM's Thursday finance, and we're looking at costs and um, financial tips anyway for holiday travel today. And Stephen Pritchard, making your booking, how can we work that in? Yes, a lot, of, a lot there? of a lot of people are, these days are, are, are booking um, their accommodation and their their airfares. Um, um, through a booking agency. Through a booking agency yeah. or, mm. or with the airlines, more the airlines direct there rather than the booking agency. Now, a couple of things with the booking agencies. Um, so you can either, I suppose you've got three choices. You, you can either uh, book through your traditional travel agency who, who, who will, you, you know, they're going to charge you a fee, but they'll mm-hmm. they'll do things for you and they can suggest the hotels and whatever that you might not be aware of. Um, you can book through one of the online booking agencies or you can book with the hotels direct. Now, um, the booking agencies, of course, are, are charging the hotels a fee for um, for for processing for your service, for yeah. your service, mm-hmm. um, and of course, a lot of the a number of those booking agencies are owned by the same company under under different brand names. So, so probably you know what you want to do is 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 um, have a look at the price on the booking agency, and and probably I'd have a look at the hotel itself because a lot of the hotels will. Um, Will guarantee that they will give you the best rate if you if you book direct through them, and also a number of the hotels have uh, I've noticed recently uh, have freebies that they will give you if you book direct. Um, uh, a lot of them won't give you your frequent flyer points or your uh, whatever hotel points are unless you book direct. Um, so if you if you want to get those, you need to book direct. And and some of them are now giving out free breakfasts and and um, such. and other mm-hmm. mini bar drinks and things. If also you book direct, so what they're finding is that they're a number of hotels instead of paying the booking agency the fee uh, are giving um, their uh, customer in kind customers in kind mm. gift. So 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 and a lot of them, as I said, well you know if you can find a cheaper rate on the internet, they'll match that as well. So so. If you've got a bit of time, instead of just booking at the booking agency, um, give the hotel. And I've often found also um, that, that if you ring up, mm-hmm. uh, you'll get a different rate than if on if you look online. You know, if you're online, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So you, I, I think it's a fairly f- movable feast. Yeah, uh, so the cost probably, of rooms. And yeah, things. it is. I mean, you know, yeah. you know, yeah. and. Um, Yes. And of course, if you if you ring up, you can also ask for a free upgrade, which you can't do online. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's right. So, I, if you're booking yourself, um, definitely uh, have a look at what is online. Give the hotel a ring, particularly mm. if it's in Australia, mm-hmm. and see what sort of deal they'll do there. And you'll probably find it's it's competitive, mm. and probably a few extras. Um, now, going overseas, um, you do need some money while you're there. Overseas, yes, foreign you definitely currency. may. Foreign currency. Various ways you can take foreign currency. Um, you can you can go and go down to your local uh, uh, bank and order some foreign currency in. Um, generally, you can't just get it over the counter now. They take a few days or maybe a week to order the folding uh, notes in. Mm-hmm. Um, the other way is to use your credit card and that will automatically convert. Um, and uh, 
there's the traditional traveller's checks and there's also these new, um, well, I suppose, what are they called, cash cards or something, yeah, where you can go and load up cards. in foreign countries. Mm. Now, all of, all of these things have uh, advantages and disadvantages. Um, um, I suppose one of the things you need to look at, and the easy way to compare is 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 you need to say, if I give you $10,000 in Australian, how many US dollars will I get? Mm. Um, and send the, then you don't have to worry about the the commissions and the spread and, and all these other bits and pieces. It, it's just a straight, you know, give you this amount of money. How many of the other currency I get? And you, the one you want is the is the is the uh, highest, of course. You just got to go down Beaumont Street, where a few of the banks have got the uh, uh, currency boards out, and you can see there's a big difference in the exchange rates. So it's worth bearing it's that worth in mind, and as always, around. look at the details. Look at the detail. But that's the easy way. Give them ten thousand Australian dollars or whatever you want to give in A dollars. Ask how much currency you foreign currency you'll get. So foreign currency, and you can of course use your credit card overseas a bit anyway, can't you? Yeah, yeah. I've found that the conversion rates on the on the on the credit cards are quite good actually. Uh, um, you just need to make sure your your local bank's not going to charge you some kind of service fee. And once mm. again, it depends on the terms and conditions of the credit card. But the visa the visa exchange rates are usually quite good. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Stephen Pritchard. And Thursday Finance will be back on Two and URFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Two and URFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.